Lord, it's the same old tune, fiddle and guitar. Where do we take it from here? Rhinestone suits and new shots. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. Now I feel like I can't hear it. Oh, you know why? Probably because I don't it's think the okay. headphones are plugged in all the way. Yeah, there we go. Oh, it's just bad headphones. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. I'm your host, Drew Sample. I haven't done an in-person podcast like this in a while, man. It's like I haven't done... Actually, I think I've done like two or a few in-person podcasts. Um, and it's like kind of weird to think about. Like I, I, when I start to think about like where the podcast started, because when me and this guest met in jail... We were in a hotel jail um, for our uh, for substance abuse issues now because we got a DUI. Baby rehab. Baby rehab. I called it drunk camp. And uh, me and this gentleman, I've had him on before back when it was Wes and I. And then you've been on the Terrible Cast. We did the Truck Podcast. We did a Hash Bash Podcast that was ruined because I have no idea. It's called Hash Bash. And... Uh, we we partook and uh, we had a great time and I just didn't know how to use my equipment afterward apparently or I think I accidentally deleted the one file. But Mister, he is the author of Odyssey Tale, which uh, we had him on the Terrible Cast to talk about. This gentleman has another book that's coming out, and I actually had the pleasure and honor of being able to read one of the earlier copies. And uh, I think there's been a few changes made that since. But uh, I was actually totally blown away by the book. I really thoroughly enjoyed reading it. Um, I actually used, uh, thank you to Jake DeSillis, I used this app Voice Dream for a lot of it, and I could actually listen to the ebook. So when I was running or um, working out or yeah, working out or anything, I was listening to the book, man, and I just wanted, it was like made me look forward to reading there to, to go work out because I enjoyed listening to it so much. But my good friend, my brother from another mother, um, co-director of a nonprofit with me. So if anybody's heard me talk about the nonprofit on the podcast, he is a co-director with me. Um, Mr. Cody Schlegel, what's up, brother? Not a lot, man. Thank you very, very much for that uh, for that lovely introduction. <laughs> that was quite the introduction. I'm about, I, I was smiling the whole time. It's almost I'm almost in tears of joy over here, man. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. It's uh. It's weird though, man. Like it's weird to think about how we met and where we've taken our lives. I mean, you're It's true. I mean, it's just weird to think about you were still writing like writing a lot of screenplays when we met. It's true. I had just started toying with the idea of of turning Odyssey Tale into a book, man, and it really is it's crazy how far we've come. And I cannot tell you uh how how much I've been looking forward to doing this podcast with you, man, cuz uh, not only are you a, a very, very good friend of mine, I con- consider you to be a very good friend, and I enjoy your podcast, but I've done a handful already, and uh, yeah. and uh, I don't want to say anything bad about anybody or name any names, but uh, yeah, a few have been very cunty, cunty people. <laughs> so I knew, that, I knew that when I came here, it was going to be a very, very relaxed situation where I was just going to be chilling with a good friend. So thank you for having me on, man. Yeah, man, it's... Uh, uh it's been a really, you know, it, I'm I'm happy because I haven't done a podcast like this. I like I get so focused in like maybe blasting my listener base with just like guests, and I'm like, man, sometimes it's good, you know, man. As much as like I stopped listening to JRE, it's like sometimes like, you know, I noticed like he had you know my, my friend Red Band on who was the co-host. Well, now he's my friend, but at, before I wasn't. Um, and like it's it's it was cool to just have original him and Red Band because it's like man that's what like started out making the podcast great or that's what started out like making listeners listen and I think like and I don't know I mean not, none of my listeners inter- really interact with me except for my friends um, and it's like uh, it's weird to to think about um, you know getting back at the bait like getting back at the roots of it so we I did a lot of terrible casts. A lot of stuff, and it's not that like I'm never gonna do a terrible cast again. But terrible B Hop has terrible children. <laughs> he's got the two B- the B Hop kids. Yeah, he's got two terrible kids, and no, they're actually wonderful children. Um, 
And it's it's just it's difficult, man. I I do. I mean, we've had to cut a few Ohio casts that just didn't do it because I got I got too way too drunk and ruined the podcast. <laughs> I've ruined so many podcasts. It's not even funny. Like I just go in and I I go hard. And so like when it's not my podcast, man, I'm I'm like timid sometimes to talk because I I want to talk too much. But um, anyways, I don't know why I'm just talking like this shit, man. But uh. Yeah, man, it's it's a podcast though, Cody. <laughs> but I mean, so we could talk about your book. I was trying to think like how I'd we wanted to. to do it. You, like, it's up to you, man. I'm I'm glad to be on here specifically too. Not only of all the things I mentioned before, but I know that you're one of the people who's actually read it. Cover yeah, to cover. I read and, it cover to cover, and, and uh, you actually enjoyed it. And I can always tell. I don't I don't have to ask anybody's opinion on on what they thought of the book, like. If they read it in a very short period of time, you can usually just assume that they liked it a lot. Yeah. Unless they get to the end and they're like, oh, God, you really fucked up there at the end. I mean, I liked it. I actually read Odyssey Tale pretty quick, but you'd already published it on Amazon. And I used to just read it when I was taking a shit at work. And yeah. it did actually make me look forward to going and taking a shit. Oh, so sh- I, I did really enjoy that book. And I know that sounds bad, but like in the, when I, in the reference to like the exercise, like, I did enjoy that, man. It, it was it's a different book though. It's 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 wrote for a different audience and I like Junction, man, and I, I haven't really read a lot of you know, game I mean, like as you know, like I'm a big sci fi fan. Right, right. And uh so I was really pulled in. Like I like movies kinda with that with that sort of premise, but I haven't read a lot of books like that, man, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that it, that you enjoyed it and I'm I've been hearing some really good things about it and I've got a small circle of people that I know I can trust, uh outside of yourself that uh, I can send. I, I've sent out stuff that I've written in the past to them, and they've. I know they're not shy about saying, you know, that they don't like it. You know, they've said some unflattering things about things I've done in the past, but like the general consensus with this is is pretty much what you said. Like similar to what you'd said, where you kind of looked forward to going for your exercise so you could listen to it. Um, I've had people mention uh, um, that they they don't want it to end. They like they're they're counting down the pages and it's just like man I don't want this to be over with. Yeah, I, I definitely was disappointed when it was over. Not because <laughs> not because I didn't like it, but because I was like man, like I want the story to keep going. Like the story, it, you know, it doesn't really get slow, man. And I feel like there's a lot of character development. There's a lot of, I mean, you do a good job of of transitioning in the book. You do a good job of. And there's a lot of things, man, and, and I know. And it's cool too, man, because this is just your second book, and uh, and you plowed through it. I remember when we would be hanging out, you'd always be writing. You're like, yeah, just working on Junction, and you'd be, you'd spend hours working on Junction, most of your time. And uh, so yeah, man. So I'm honored to to man. Let's just have a dick sucking contest. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I appreciate that you read it, and I'm yeah, glad, I'm glad that you that you burrowed through, and I did, man. Like even. Even when, like working on a project like that, like even when you're not writing, like even when you're not typing or or writing on on your notebook, you're always it's always with you. You're always thinking about it. You can't leave it behind. Agreed. It Agreed. is always in your brain. So until it's all out on paper and until it's perfect in the way you want it to be, you know it's not going to uh, it's not going to leave you. And then as soon as it is done and it is perfect, especially in this case with Junction, where it kind of leads you right into the next. Uh, chapter the next book um it, it is time for me to start on the sequel so now that's that's the next thing like ideas are popping into my head and now i gotta think of different ways to develop the plot but i do know how the second book is going to end and so i that's that's a major major part of of writing a book is knowing how it's going to end and making sure that's suitable but um, i'm pretty excited about starting on the sequel but because uh you know as you said the characters really develop in the first book and from start to finish, I don't think anybody will ever guess, you know, where everybody's going to end up in the when the book ends. But uh, but yeah, just a story about uh, kind of some kids who went to high school together, live in the boonies, and uh, sort of what happens to all their lives and how they all kind of spin out of control as a result of one of their friends who's a drug dealer uh, dying, um, and you know, under suspicious circumstances and. Once they find out what happens to him, and once things certain things start to come to light, you really find out what kind of tangled web uh, has been weaved in this very small community. 
And uh, you've read through it. So yeah, like I've I'm read through it, man. I mean, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to give too much away. I, mean, I didn't even want to give away that there's going to be a sequel. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have a problem mentioning that because I do want people to kind of know that there's going to be a sequel. But like, I don't think that gives anything away because there's a lot. Of twists. Well, because there was like for me, man, personally, that like the fact that there was a sequel. Reading the first book, I'm like, you know, I was like, man, like, what's going to happen? Like, I didn't. I want. I wanted some closure to this story. Right, right. And uh, so I don't, like I said, I don't want to give too much away. And I think it's easy to do. So I do think people should go out there and read it. And I think, uh, you know, even if you just buy a PDF. like, So how exactly are you going to distribute that? Like, it will be available. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. You know, you're fine. It, it will be available on uh, Amazon.com. And I think, bar, I believe, BarnesandNobles.com. But it will be available on paperback and on Kindle. Uh, so you'll be able to get whichever format you like. Because I know that when Odyssey Tale was released, it was just on Kindle, and a lot of people bitched that they couldn't get it on paperback. Yeah. So now I'm sure, of course, now that it's available on paperback, people will be like, well, I'm getting the Kindle version because who the fuck wants paperback anyway? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, and, and here's something, too, that there's a way. Um, there's actually this service that I found out about from Paul Wheaton. It's called Scubbly. And that's a way where you can have, like, affiliates – where they get a chunk of the sales and you get a chunk of the sales. So you can divvy it up percentages. So everything that's bought on their website, um, they get a percentage of. Okay. So that's something to look into. Like, I don't know a bunch. I'm, I'm actually going to do some research myself because I, I want to try to do some sponsorship with Scubbly on the page. So then, like, if somebody really wants to buy something, they're going to pay the same cost, but I'll get some of it, and then the owner of whatever right. gets some of it. That's essentially how my setup is now. Like, they, yeah. they get a chunk. They they get the cost of the printing of the book and the cost of, you know, their their piece, and then I get uh, I get what's left over, what I want out of it. So. Yeah, well, so even so, with the cool thing with Scubbly, too, is so let's say some, someone's like, well, I don't want to use Amazon or I don't want to use Kindle. Which a lot of people do. A lot of people yeah, do Yeah, so, so you can have it set up so they just buy a PDF. Okay, right on. And then you could say to the website owner, I mean, they get whatever percentage Amazon would get, or you could work it out with them. Okay. And they get paid per tran like so I know um I'll I mean I can explain that more to you afterward, but uh Yeah, I know I know that iTunes is also another route that iTunes is too. To. Yeah. Like I like iBooks things. quite a bit, but bleh, 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 whatever I was saying there. I like iTunes quite a bit. Personally for when it comes to reading books. Um and okay, so now take me through this. So, and I kind of want to take this. So, so what exactly is into writing a book? Because I think a lot of people probably want to write books, and they don't, and they think about it. And then the fact that you've published two, are you going to? Yeah, I mean, and, and you self-published the first one just to kind of prove that. Yeah. Look, you don't need anybody else. You can do this yourself. It's true. So I mean, do you want to do you want to talk about that? Yeah, uh, I mean, writing a book is definitely one of those things that takes a lot of discipline. It took it took more discipline than I thought I had. Um, you know, it took a lot more work than I've ever done. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't a lot of physical labor. You know, it wasn't really strenuous, but you know, you definitely push your brain to a point of where it, it's it's working. I mean, it's definitely yeah. working its ass off. And. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, it's a matter of just sitting down and typing. You got to start typing. Yeah. I mean, um, everybody's process is different. Everybody's creative different, and everybody has their own thing. What you know, you got to figure out what works for you. But what works for me essentially is I, I do a lot of walking. I do a lot of thinking, and I do a lot of listening to different music. And uh, um, I listen to talk shows, but I don't know that that has anything. I listen to a lot of comedians and whatnot, but I don't know that that yeah. has anything to do with my creativity. It just it's good to get laughter out, you know. Yeah, I like to spend a lot of time laughing. That helps my creativity juices, creative juices kind of flow. But you know, you really just gotta think about how you want your story to be. You gotta know how you want it to end, and just kind of work up to that. Like that's one of the big things to me is like I I need to know I need to know how it's gonna end, and like yeah. it has to be a very cool, very worthwhile ending that's gonna be that's gonna be worth you know the whatever you've had to listen or to or read or watch to get to that point. So um, that's the first thing. And then you just really start working up to that. And then I like to get everything kind of outlined in a notebook. But at the same time, a lot of the real shit really starts when you start typing. Like once you start typing, that's when the real words come out. And like, and then once you start there, you really, you find out how... Please how excuse my pregnant cat. <laughs> my cat just had kittens, so if you hear this meowing, 
She really wants outside. That's not the kids tied up. In no, and she's just going to keep destroying these blinds. I think <laughs> I need to pause this and put her in a room. I, I can't hear unless you can hear. Oh, it's going to be able to be, be heard on the microphone. Give me one second. Up. I'm going to put her All in right. with her babies. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the cat has been put away with her. She opened the door. Oh, nice. Hold on a second. Well, hopefully <laughs> she doesn't open the door this time. This cat is so... It's pretty impressive. It's so smart. She's already opened two of my windows and destroyed my blinds. Snuck out, and I don't want to let her out yet because she's got six kittens. And I'm like, not, and I'm not about to nurse kittens, man. If something happens to oh her, like God, I have no. no idea. Oh no, that'd be so awful. The other oh. cat I inherited, he's so chill and sweet. He just sits next to me and chills. Um. So, anyways, so writing. As we were talking about, <laughs> so I'll get you back into it. We were talking about what, what gets your creative it. juices flowing. but So I think, too, so let's start out with how you started right. Because I don't, I don't think we've ever really gone over this. I think whenever I've had you on, it's never, it was meant to be us chilling and have a podcast like this. But I don't know. It just, it's either a terrible cast and we just right and up fooling around yeah, usually just end up fucking around and kicking it but yeah now we were kind of into it a little bit but like it's just more about once you get your story kind of outlined and you know what you want to tell and you know how you want it to be start typing and start breaking up your chapters and you know don't worry about making it perfect the first time around as far as the editing goes because you got time to come through and make that to make those changes later as far as you know commas and semicolons and you know whatnots and but um how like how often how much how many times did you write this book? Oh man, um, I only wrote the book once, but I mean I've read through and edited it a lot. I mean, yeah, there was a there wasn't a lot of a lot of plot changes once it was finished. Like once it was finished and I read through it, I was really happy with the twists and the order in which they went and the order of scenes and different things like that. But like once you go through and you really really start editing and you really start you know going through everything with a real fine tooth comb. You start to pick up things that you never would have picked up before. When you send it off to your editors, which is another key, key process in writing a book, like you need it to be edited by professionals other than yourself. Like, I mean, I don't even consider myself to be a professional editor, but you know, it's one of those things where you know your be- best-selling books these days, you know, such as your Girl on the Trains and your Gone Girls, and you yeah. know, whoever, whatever the top, whatever the New York Times bestseller list is now, those books have gone through about eight rounds of editing, and. So I mean, as you I mean, as you can imagine, they go through just a lot of different meticulous changes, and um, Junction went through three, and it was just it was crazy how many different things they would think of or things that I would notice going through that like oh this needs to be changed to make this make more sense or you know just different discrepancies dis- discrepancies in the timeline, you know if, if you go through. And you have certain ages and certain characters and certain things happening in certain years. You got to make damn sure that everybody's the right age they should be during the right year. And that's another thing. You know, when you change somebody's age, you got to make sure that every scene where they're a different age or a different time or in a different place that it matches up perfectly. So that's another thing. Whose age did you change? Uh, I mean, Patricia's had to be changed. The mom. Oh, okay. She jumped from 62 to 67, I think, based on how old she would have been as a little kid. Yeah. I had to change her age, things like that. There was, you know, there were a lot of mentions of what these guys were up to, what the what the main characters were up to as little kids. You know, it mentions one of them's f- four years old, nineteen eighty six. Well, it's January first, nineteen eighty six. So he hasn't had the chance to turn five yet because otherwise it wouldn't match up later on. I mean, there's just a lot of <laughs> shit like that that you really got to pay attention to. Yeah, that's but, that's intense, man. I mean, it. it I I can't even. I don't think like I don't think I've done creative writing personally since like middle school. Okay. And it's it's weird to think about because I just didn't like it because I it felt weird like thinking up a story and expressing it and then I'd always feel like, well, this is fucking stupid. Like <laughs> I like I, I like I would hate it so much that I wouldn't want to do it anymore. I like gotcha. did you ever like go through that or um I didn't initially I didn't hate junction. I, I, I never went through that with Odyssey Tale. With Odyssey Tale, I think I was... I might have just been a little too close to the story of Odyssey, and I was just really into the book at the same time, and I thought I had a really, a really good idea on my hands. So, like, I never ever questioned the, 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 what, what I thought of to be a really good book with Odyssey Tale. But yeah. Junction, about every quarter of the way, man, 
I mean, the first quarter, second quarter, and then you know the second half. Obviously, like there were about four times where I had to stop and like think to myself, like, is this worth reading? Like once you read through it enough, the twists don't have as much meaning on you. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like when you're a little kid and you see, you know, a vagina for the first time on a porno. Ver, you know, like it, it, it doles over time that that you know that sense of you know what I mean. Like, so I didn't know if these twists still mean as much to me, or you know, I didn't know if they were as good as I thought they were when I first thought them up yeah. because I've read them you know twenty or thirty times and it's just like, does this still hold up? So that's the biggest thing is like really you know having the confidence to say to yourself, this is worth reading. This is good. These twists are enough. You know, this twist is enough to keep the person curious enough to you know want to know what happens to the next like that's what the whole thing is based on is the audiences need to know what happens next and if you're not providing them with anything worth fucking knowing they're not going to read your book so yeah that makes i mean that makes a lot of sense um i mean even just like your other because this was originally a script and i remember you sent it to me as a script and i started reading it as a script and i don't know why like i just couldn't like i would start it and i, I think it's because i I don't like reading PDFs, then I'd have to convert it on my uh, phone, like through you. a program, and it was never like. Do you remember when you first yeah, did, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. like, and you, you when you first uh, converted for Kindle, and you couldn't get it to format right. Yep. So I'd always have that weird format. So I'd always be trying to read it, and it'd be kind of frustrating. Yep. Um, but then this way, when I got the PDF, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna listen to it because I'd already listened to somebody else's book. And it was, and at the time of the year, like, I'm, I'm, I mean, the thing is, it's just like anybody knows it does it. Like, I do like to read, but like most of the time I'm like doing stuff. So I don't have a lot of time where I'm just sitting. Like, and, and reading is about the most time consuming thing that you can do that doesn't, that doesn't, is no way productive whatsoever. Yeah. Unless you read nonfiction or something like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so, so even, um, so when, when I was like, man, I could just listen to this and uh, listen to it through robot voice. That was pretty convenient, and so because a lot of people kind of poop on um, the way that books are consumed, and it's like, well, you're not really reading, you're not really your Who brain's cares. Honestly, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I think you know I mean, how to read. That's all that matters. And I think yeah, like it, it is probably better for you for your brain productivity to read it right. versus um, listen to it. But I think you know some people are more are, are pretty good audible listeners, but I don't know, man. Like I had. From listening to it through that robot voice, I had like a very clear picture in my head what was going on in the story. Like, I could like see the land layout based on the way you were describing it, and it took me to—I mean, it took me to another like another place. And and I think when I read um, uh, Odyssey Tale did too, but this one I felt like it was a lot. I felt like your description, your you could definitely see the improvement in like the way you describe a scene or you set up the scene. Um, and it's not that even that you did a bad job in Odyssey. It was just, it was cool to see. It It just seemed like it was like, it, it seemed like the progress you made in between the two books was like exponential. I agree, man. And I think a lot of it had to do with really like breaking down stories. Like yeah. I, I really, the, the, one of the first things I did once Odyssey Tale was done and like once it was time to to start, you know, researching for Junction, one of the first things I asked, I did was Google, you know, first time mistakes authors make you know, what not to do, things that a lot of first-time authors do that you can avoid, you know. And there was a whole shit ton of things that I, you know, I really, it was in the back of my head when I, when I was doing Junction, like, don't do this, don't do this. And, and that helped a lot. And another thing that really helped out a lot was breaking down, you know, really good stories. You know, I'm not a big reader. I do read a lot of graphic novels and a lot of graphic comics, and, or comic, yeah. I should say comic books, whatever, because I think those have some of the greatest stories you'll ever yeah. find. Yeah, That's the best storytelling you're going to find is in graphic novels. So I don't read a lot of novels or fiction. I do read a lot of nonfiction, but anyway, the point, the point of all this is, like, I wanted to break down some really good stories and find out what makes them so good. So I started going, I turned to classic cinema immediately. I started watching some of the old spaghetti, uh, spaghetti western uh, movies Sergio from Sergio Leone, Leone yeah. uh, and uh, the first two Godfather movies and other movies. You know, not even not not even necessarily classic movies. You know, older ones, but new movies too, just good ones to try to break down what the storyteller did or what the writer did and try to crack their code. And um, one of the biggest things that I really think that I kind of figured out how to do was was build tension. I love the the idea of building tension. 
And those are just great moments when there's when you can just feel the conversation is seems idle to the eye or the ear that doesn't know any better, but you can feel it. You can feel it's building into something that's about to go bad for somebody in the room. And I love those moments. And you know, Quentin Tarantino did a great job with it in uh, in Glorious Bastards at the very beginning when that dude from the SS shows up and drinks the milk. And yeah, that's a brilliant fucking scene because you know that it's not going to end well, but you're just kind of waiting for that moment. Christoph Waltz, yeah, yes, he's yes, so yes. he's such a good actor, yes. even in uh, the Django Unchained or yes. Django Unchained. Yeah, uh, I can't wait. Like Tarantino, like the, his westernizing of movies. Has been like really cool. Oh yes, and uh, it was interesting too because he started with like the samurai, yeah. which is what the <laughs> westerns originate from, or yeah. the samurai movies. It's interesting, and you mentioned the western. Not only that, um, the good, the bad, the ugly. Those are some really great tension built scenes. Um, the opening scene, I, and I think Quentin Tarantino even pulls some of his inspiration from directing from those spaghetti westerns. Oh yeah, he and, said that before. And, uh, and he uses the um, same guy, same guy, like uh, who does the music. For, okay, okay. He used that for both the glorious, but well, it sounds, I know for sure for Django it, it and Chain. Yeah, so you would, because that guy's still alive. Okay. Um, yeah, and actually, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I, I can actually, I actually have the DVD. It's called Once Upon a Time in America. So he made Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Okay. Which was his first okay. spaghetti western without Clint Eastwood, and uh, that one is really good. It's with Charles Bronson, but it's the music. I felt like so when I watched the spaghetti westerns, and I don't want to get too much off, but for some reason I I have to say my piece about no, no, the spaghetti fine, western. I, I'm a huge fan of the spaghetti. Yeah, western. so I felt like it's just fun to say. Yeah, and so I felt like it. The movies with Clint Eastwood, so the three of them. So first is a fistful of dollars, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a few dollars more, yep. and uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the good, the bad, and the ugly for some reason gets the most, like the most, uh, like f- claim to fame. Yeah, and I, I think it's the worst of the three. Oh, dude, no. And I I'll tell to, you I why. Just totally disagree. I'll tell you why. Now, what does it have the best of of the three? The music. The music for sure. And I think the music makes that movie more. And it, because the middle one is a way cooler movie because it, the Lee Van Cleef, who plays the bad, right, and Clint Eastwood, and I think maybe it's because I watched it in reverse order. Because I first watched The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and then I watched, because okay. I, I watched them as a little kid. Yes, you watched them in a... In and I felt room. like, and I enjoyed the one... Well, you can't think of them as a total trilogy, man. No, they're different movies. Yeah. They're, they're different yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. different characters. Yes. Um, but it was cool to see that the actor... What I like about the second one is it has the villain from the first one and the villain from the third one and they're and Clint Eastwood and they're all in it together. And I think that's why cuz I like all three of those actors quite a bit. So, um I don't know. So that was my favorite, but I felt like Once Upon a Time in Mexico had even better music and that has uh um uh it's like Charles one of Charles Bronson's early films. And okay. then it also has the oldest, the guy from the Grapes of Wrath. Okay. Uh, okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? I th- I believe so. I've uh, nope. I feel like I do, but I'm not sure that I. I almost Peter Fonda. I'm almost positive. Or is it Henry? Maybe no, Henry Fonda. Henry Fonda is the yeah, and that's the out, only movie. I might be wrong on that. Yeah, I think it's Henry Fonda, and that's the only movie that he's a villain in. Okay. In his whole career, and that's one of his last movies. Very interesting. So, and then he made Once Upon a Time in America, which is a New York-based movie with Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah, I remember that movie. I thought that movie was boring as hell, man. Like, I didn't. Maybe I need to rewatch it. But when I watched it, I probably watched it, um, 2008. And and I was not a fan of it. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I remember watching it, but I don't remember it standing out. Well, I don't remember ever wanting to watch it again. I yeah, much. yeah, and it, because it was like one Christmas when you could still get DVDs, and they still had like rentals, like Hollywood Video was still around. So okay. we'd always go to choose birthday presents with each other because we knew we'd say, "Hey, let's all throw in twenty bucks." So we wanted to make the most out of it. We all like movies. You know, like Wes, Justin, and I, we'd always go there and we'd buy a bunch of movies. So if I'm being really boring right now, audience, <laughs> I'm really sorry because this is a show about Cody. Throwback to the the days of fucking uh, having a video. Story. Yeah, because it was before internet streaming and, yeah. and, and I had gotten away from downloading because it was like torrenting was freaking me out. And I hadn't quite figured out, like they, they started sending the cable letters right. and, and I hadn't figured you out how to beat shit out. Otherwise we're going to, yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't figured out how to beat it. And before we had this thing called peer guardian, but it's like, no peer guardian doesn't, I don't know. I don't want to get into the specifics of it, but then I figured out like how to 
how to beat like how to get away with the torrent game. Okay. And then my DVD collection became about okay. So all right. Anyways, and it wasn't just the torrent game, by, but by I just bored the hell out of collection. Yeah, so I, porn. yeah, my porn collection. I just bored the hell That's out of all the audience. I was like, hey, let me drew up this conversation. Cody's talking about interesting things <laughs> about story development, watching spaghetti westerns, and then I got so excited. Because you said spaghetti westerns, yeah, Sergio Leone. <laughs> we used to have a we used to have a blockbuster down the road that we went to. Yeah, I I did Hollywood Video. I just talked about you. <laughs> That's hijacking you. Red box now. I know. I um, it is crazy what's changed. Like I never would have thought in a million years that there would be another like form of renting DVDs or movies. Yeah. It's just, What's weirder? Okay, so for you, so you live out in the country, yeah. and you cannot get high-speed internet. Yes, it sucks. Soon you will yes. because of a certain large everything. company that is just buying, bought up a bunch of land for millions of dollars, mm-hmm. and they're building a factory there. But, um, so you don't, you can't even down, you can't even download movies to watch them. No, I mean every now and then if I really, really, really want to download a movie that I know is not at the video store on Bethel, Bethel, oh, <laughs> plug when I'm in Ohio. When I'm in Ohio, is there a blockbuster is. there? No, it's not a blockbuster. It's a oh fuck. Oh, Video Central. Yes, that's you go down to all the way to Video Central. Oh yeah, I love that. That spot has been open forever. I'll have to go in there that. with you. I love that place. We'll have to go check it out. We'll have to go rent a movie. I know them at this point. At first, like it's what's great about that place is like. You can tell it's kind of like an auto mechanic shop where yeah. if you don't know shit about cars, or in this case, if you don't know shit about movies, they treat you like a total fucking scuzzbag. <laughs> but like the second you bring up shit that they recognize as good movies, like, I mean, we all know, you know, you, I know you know what good movie is. Oh, yeah. Like certain classics and gems that people just kind of for, have forgotten about in this mainstream world within which we live. But like when you take certain movies up to the counter, you know, they give you that that like approval nod, like, oh, right on, like, oh, this is what you're getting. I love this movie. So I've definitely become friends with them at this point. And I also have paid their electric bill several times with the fucking late fees for <laughs> taking my movies back in time. Because that's also a thing that the uh, internet community has probably forgotten about is late, late fees. fees. Well, if you do Redbox, it's, it's just basically an extra dollar yeah. a day. And that's actually not that bad. It's like, look. We're just going to charge you the same amount. But their late fees shit is, you remember new releases? Like, the worst was a new release. Like, you're like, hey, rent this old movie for $3. But this new release is $10. On Redbox? No, the old school way of renting videos. Yeah. See, yeah, okay. I think the most most I ever had to pay for a rented video for new was probably $3.50. I would just buy it or go buy a used one. Um, and if it was new, like once Amazon came out, well, actually before I used this company called CD now and then Amazon, they did. So all that, they had like a ton of multimedia and Amazon was just books and CDs and then they bought CD now and then Amazon's whole like, yeah, they just wiped them out once they were, well, yeah, they didn't wipe them out. I mean, they took their inventory and their licenses and stuff like that. Once they took their, they once they took their thing, they probably told the other guy that that merged the company, like, yeah, well, we'll keep we'll keep the names together. It'll be Amazon and have them both on the wall. Together. I mean, it was during the tech boom of the '90s, so they probably got millions of dollars, and it was zero they're fucks probably, given. Probably yeah. all living in the Dominican right now. They're they're, they're yeah, they're not. I mean, it wasn't buyouts where they're buying sports teams like Microsoft employees, <laughs> but i mean they they got paid i mean it's and and that's what's weird it's it's weird to think about too in a world that like everybody like that's a new thing like i'm gonna go to silicon valley have you watched that show by the way i've watched a couple episodes dude it's mike judge i love mike judge mike judge is great man there's there's a lot of i i still i watch king of the hill reruns on my dvr every single morning dude i shit you not it is he is he's great. He's great. And the idiocracy is really starting to gain some popularity Dude. now with the way the fucking I mean the election, the way the election's going right like, now, it's like I think like I I've pissed some people off on Facebook cuz now like before I was just Ron Paul. If you listen to episode 1 of the sampler, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a libertarian. I like David Seaman." And it's like, "Dude, that guy now I can't stand either of those dudes." So it's like the smarter I got, the more aware I became, and the like, 
once I started to like see the pattern of the political game, I was like, this is nonsense. Oh yeah, no. And it's and then it's like, man, like really like and then like I read something too, like on the uh, Facebook post, this girl I work with, she posted this thing about um uh she posted this thing like like millennials don't run, but they all complain about I, politics. Yes, I did. Yes, I know what you're talking about. And I was like, okay, so, um, so I go on there and I read it, and then and then I was like, yeah, I mean, the system is broken. There's other ways you can change your community, and you don't have to participate in the in the political system. Like it's an invalid system. And then her like husband's grandmother got on. It was like I was on city council. We made so many changes, and I'm like. <laughs> She probably could still back then. I mean, back then you were actually working for a pension. You can actually list that you're retired. None of us are going to be able to do that. Right. Like it's an uns- unsustainable, like a government, government in general is unsustainable. Like it's, it's, it's never going to work out. And then it's like, so then you look at the end of the empire and that's the idiocracy. Like mm-hmm. the, like you have, like just the, the 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 clown show yeah of what 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 the debates are like the funny thing is is we haven't even seen the loony democrats yet oh, there's a lot great. of them there's a lot of them i mean there's there's the democrat ron paul now named bernie sanders and it's like okay so he's just the he's from the opposite spectrum all those people that don't participate so well they do participate they vote in every election but for the I don't know, man. I don't want to get too off track. No, but. yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's interesting. But back to her post, like, it's funny that she said, I don't know why millennials always complain. You she know, didn't necessarily have... say that. She just said, you know. Because that logic is fucking twisted if she did say that. Yeah, she didn't mean. say that. I mean, she's actually pretty cool and respectful. But that it was pretty much what they're saying is millennials, millennials seem to be pretty, pretty pl- like, they complain a lot. And they're, they seem to be savvy. But none of them want to run. And it's like. They don't have the money to run, man. Like right. that's like that's that's a big game. Like right. there was this article the other day about how to become a millionaire by running for president. It talks about how Mike Huckabee made all this money the first time he ran for president. I think it was in two thousand eight, and it's nobody knew who he was. And then he appealed to so many people and a fan base. Then he became a he had a show on Fox Fox News. And, like, so all this stuff, but you look at our governor, John Kasich, right? Like, Ted Strickland was really like governor, right? So what happens? They take a guy who has a TV show on Fox News, and then he becomes the governor. And actually, I'm, I'm really not, like, too disappointed with Kasich. Like, he's, he's done some things, and I was like, what a douchebag. But, I mean, when it comes to a politician, like, you know, he does do a lot more stuff for on the side of like individual freedom and it's to some extent. Um, but now he's like he's like like fucking like leading the way right now. Dude, Blazing I just the old trail. Yeah, I feel like I just drew up the conversation again. No, that's, that's cool. I don't have I don't know too much about Ohio's politics, so I follow more Tennessee politics than anything. That is true. You are a resident of Tennessee. Yes, I don't. I don't pay too much mind with the with the squabblings of what's going on up here. So so yeah. So um, what's going on Tennessee politics? Oh, not a whole lot really. The uh, the the big thing that everybody was talking about was the new flag, not the Confederate flag, but Tennessee's talking about getting a new flag down there, and everybody's pissed off about it. That's interesting. Like, what's going on with that flag uh, stuff? I have no fucking idea. I don't know why they want to change it or what's wrong with the flag that they have now because it's not Confederate flag. It, like, it does have, uh, you know, red and blue and uh, white stars and shit, but it's not like it doesn't look like a rebel flag. So I don't know what the deal is down there, but that's the big thing. Another big thing I've been following down there. Do people there. bitch about jobs as much as they do in Ohio? No, God, no. People, people down in Tennessee, or at least where I'm at, man, they're fucking great. They're, they don't bitch about anything. And, like, it's really freaky, too, um, how polite and just nice everybody is. Like, yeah, that's Southern hospitality. And, and I, some people were like, no, it's just because you're close to a tourist town, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, that's not fucking what it is. Because I went to this hobby lobby in a town called Hendersonville, which is not far from where I live. And uh, I thought I left my wallet there, and I was shit. Now, every fucking thing in my life is in my wallet. So if I have to get all the shit inside it again, I'm going to be fucked. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where I never lose my wallet. I can't believe I lost it in the Hobby Lobby parking lot. Went back to the Hobby Lobby, nowhere to be found. 
And the woman in the in the part in the hobby lobby is like, "I'm sorry, huh? No, nobody's seen it." And at this point, I'm fucking paranoid. I'm like, "Someone, one of these motherfuckers in here's got to think." <laughs> I had cash in there. I'm like, "They can keep the cash. I just want my fucking wallet back." Yeah. So I finally get home and find it, and of course, it's in my house. So <laughs> I I find it, but like I think back to something she said. She said she told me when when she said that they didn't see it. She goes, yeah. She goes, that's weird. She goes, I figured if it was out in the parking lot, somebody would have brought it in. They bring iPads and iPhones and all kinds of stuff in from out there. It's like, wow, dude. Like that's the fucking place that I live now is a place where people return that kind of shit to a lost and found yeah. counter. That would never it, happen in like, this neighborhood. I mean, I'm, well, I don't know. I'm not even about this neighborhood, but like in Columbus, like you can't set your phone down on a goddamn no. bar stool without leaving, you know. No, yeah, all yeah. the white people here would steal it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd blame it on black people. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> That's what happens here in Ohio. White people do crimes and blame it on blacks. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man, it's it's weird to think about. Like, when you were talking about Tennessee politics there, then I started thinking about, like, Ohio politics, and I was like, you know, man, it's so weird because, like, the economy here, except for Columbus, is so based on industry that people don't even know how to think differently. Like, people think about my pension. I think about, you know, go get a job and a good, good corp- big corporation and all this other stuff, get some benefits. And it's like, man, like these companies don't care about you. Like my, my dad just retired and it's weird too, because he knows that it's unsustainable, but then like, I'll say something and he'll start to come at it with his old way of thinking. I'm like, no, but seriously think about that. Like that doesn't even make sense. And he's like, yeah, you're you're right. Like it's, I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't want to argue with me, but I think too, like, I think a lot of baby boomers are just realizing like how their kids have no future now because of them and their and their parents. Yeah. It's uh I, I'm I'm not even sure what exactly went wrong. Like I, some somewhere along the line people became obsessed with this lottery winner Kardashian Kardashian. Yeah. I got it. And I think a lot of it had to do with with uh, uh you know, I don't know credit cards and shit have been around for a long time, but like I think back to when I was a little kid, you know, my I, my parents and I, I lived in a trailer we had a single tube TV, a one landline phone, no cable, you know, no bullshit, no camera, no none of this other shit. My mom didn't have a brand new thousand dollar purse. Like there, we didn't have access to this shit. Like you know, back in the day, rich people and poor people were separated by the things they had. Yeah, rich people had a big screen TV, and poor people like ourselves, like me, like me and my parents, we had a shitty TV. But nowadays. You know, you can just take your credit card to the fucking Target, get the exact same TV you saw on fucking, you know, My Rich Life as a Jenner or whatever yeah. the fuck it is. And, like, you can have the exact same bag or purse that they have or the exact same sunglasses that they have. Like, people are willing to spend money they don't have on shit they don't need uh, more, yeah, it's so, weird, more like, so now than ever. Like, I have that TV now, and I don't think I'll ever want a TV that big again. No. I mean, like, it's kind of nice to watch movies and stuff. Room. It is good for this room, man. But, like, I, I don't I don't know, man. Like, it's just kind of weird. Like, I'd like a good TV, but it's so big. Yeah. And, like, that's the whole thing. Like, I do have that little projector that I want to try. But, you know, man, it's... On this wall, too. Yeah. yeah, like, I got the paint. So, the paint's actually yeah. right there. And I just need to paint the wall. So, when that TV... It stopped. Uh, cool. It stopped reading remotes. So then I bought a new remote, and the newer Vizio remotes suck dick, as you're familiar with. No. no Does no, that no. remote on that TV suck? No, it's not a Vizio. It's a. I don't know what kind of TV. It's she's a 55 got. inch Vizio. No, she doesn't have a Vizio. Is it a Vizio? Yeah, it's a Vizio. Remember, I sold TVs. Maybe I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, she has a 65 inch. I guess Vizio. I never fuck with her remote because the, we just use the Direct TV. Yeah. But I just know that. So the the newer remotes suck, and they all like come with like a smart TVs, and the smart menus suck on them. And the only reason why I'm saying this is because I sold TVs, and I'm sure everybody cares about my opinion of televisions, <laughs> so I'm gonna keep going. But my dad has one of the TVs, so I bought like a remote to try to fix this TV. This story is fucking pointless, by the way. But I gave him the new remote, and it works. The old remote works on the TV. What a story! What a way to drew up a conversation. <laughs> right, yeah. We'll be running these specials at Best Buy all week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. 
No, like, I, I did want to get back to the politic question that you asked me, though, about Tennessee's politics, because this is kind of relevant to Ohio, too. Yeah. The medical marijuana thing. It's really starting to get some, some steam down in Tennessee. That's good. And I, I realize uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool, because uh, um, obviously I spend a lot of time in Ohio, and it'd be nice if there was a reciprocity thing where I could have a medical card down in Tennessee. We'll take it up Ohio. there. Yeah, you know, down in Ohio. there's a international reciprocity thing. So if you have a medical card in the states, you can take it to Canada. No shit. Yeah, this. It, well, if it's if it's in Michigan, I don't know. Yeah, I think it has to be an no, up to date my, one. My the last card that I had that was valid expired in 2010. Since then, I've been off the grid. Yeah, this dude at uh, Kill Tony, one of these comics, Jibtron Zero. He's pretty funny. I'll shout him out, Jibtron Zero. <laughs> so he went to. Um, he was he was pretty funny. He was from Detroit, but he had like one of the, the hash pens and they were like, Where'd you oh, get it? Okay. And he was like, I just went to a dispensary or my US card works. So that was a fun right, fact. Nice. Anyways. That's fucking badass. That dude. is actually badass. That's I love really Canada, cool. dude. So wait, so you it's got it's a medical thing, it's not just blanket legal in Canada. I can't uh, just go into a place and buy a sack. I have to have a medical card. Yeah, you couldn't go to a storefront and buy but, a sack. But okay. if you had a weed on you, nobody cares. Is it easy to meet people that? I mean, you know, I mean, like, if you have friends there. Okay. And they, you know, I mean, like, I don't want to get too into details. No, no, details no, that's what I'm I curious there quite about. Because, like, I do, I do have a couple people that I could hit up when I go there. And I, mean, like, some, I mean, there's still creepy people that try to buy weed off strangers. But in every country that I've been in, and actually any big city <laughs> I've, been in, I've been in, People would see me, like, if I went, well, like, in New York City, I had a Sublime shirt on, and people were like, hey, do you have uh, weed? Okay, here we go. And I was Can like, no. What, because I wear a Sublime shirt, I just carry weed with me everywhere? Like, is that, like, a sign? It's a reasonable question. Yeah. You look like a stoner. Hey, they're desperate, man. Well, it's if weird. You're, if yeah, you're a desperate was, stoner, you well, got to fucking take what you can and be I was like, in, I got to ask this dude. He's got the Sublime shirt. I was in uh, uh, Williamsburg in, in Brooklyn. And I was with my buddy Ryan, and we just got them going to this show. We were drunk. Like, we went out in Manhattan. We are just shit-faced. We go to this diner around the corner, and we're just hammered. And nobody's friendly in New York City, like, out in public, like, outside. In, once you get into buildings, people are super friendly. But outside of buildings, nobody's friendly. It's a really weird it's thing. A true stereotype, then. Yeah, and it, well, from my experience—that's what I've experienced. I don't doubt it. I fucking hate people as it is. I couldn't imagine that many in one place. Yeah, I was just hoping somebody would doctor Manhattan the place while I was there, and I could see the whole fucking town go up. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just had to throw that. No, in you're there. fine. And this girl just comes up to me. I'm wearing a sublime shirt, and she's all friendly. She was an attractive girl, and I'm like, well, this is weird because I was. Definitely not looking at my best at the time. <laughs> and I was like, man, I might have really, like, I've, I've never had this happen. And then she's like, do you have weed? <laughs> and I was like, no. I thought you wanted to, like, hit on me or something, <laughs> you man. You should have said yeah and then led her to a dark alley and fucking clubbed her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terrible. I got weed. Follow me. <laughs> follow me over I got here. weed. Follow right me over down, here. It's right down here. <laughs> <laughs> you can make the microphone sound. <laughs> Sleep, little one. Oh, man. Sleep. And, yeah. I think, I mean, so that would be interesting, but I don't think, so it really bugs me that so many people here with responsible Ohio are like, are like, well, I just want to smoke legally. I'm like, you're setting up an evil monopoly and you're only going to hurt the cannabis community. Those people are the same fucking people that are legal in the sense that they'll snort Oxycontin because Oxycontin's legal. But yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, those are the same fucking idiots that you're dealing with that like that look at that the laws as if the laws are set in place to actually that be the laws some are, fucking yeah. health. Like, like they're actually like, valid. As if the laws are health conscious. If the laws were health conscious in this country, there would be a lot of shit illegal. And it's that's that's a that's a stupid fucking mentality to have. Like, well, I just want it to be legal. Like, no, you fucking you'd rather it be illegal because of the way these scumbags are setting it up here. Yeah, like only Ohio could fuck up medical marijuana or me, is it medical marijuana or is it full? No, it's it's all right. So it's legalization. You could get like six plants. I mean, it, it's gonna be f so. You as a it's not full blown. Okay, as a consumer, it's very legal. Okay, but as a business owner yeah, or yeah. an entrepreneur, it's not at all. Okay. Like it's it's like what it does you can't is have a delivery service and it's it mainly like so they the, like it's really crooked the way it did like you invest um like 
I mean, basically, you can you can it, you could have invested in like one of these grow ups way back when, and it was like twenty five thousand dollars for seven percent. I mean, it was like so. Yeah, of course. I'm sure your average stoner's just jumping right on that. Oh yeah, yeah. and so it's like it's it's seriously, and it's like this all these backdoor deals. Yeah. Sounds like so, sounds like but they cut out the they cut out someone because the anti monopoly bill is on it, and luckily more and more people are catching on. It. This is a monopoly, but it's just I, I don't have faith in in the intelligence of most Ohio voters. Um, oh, this is such a good thing. I mean, if it it would be a win for me if it gets voted down. No, I agree, man. I think it's I think it's ridiculous. I can't like I'm going to register to vote just to vote no. No, I I hope that this the the st- I think this will actually bring stoters to the voting poll, like to the voting. I, place, I think like, the educated, like the actual activists, for sure. Cause, but cause, but who knows the normals? They're probably all about it. Yeah, probably. because they're not going to say, well, it's legal for us and we're normal. And yeah. it's like, man, you're fucking posers, man. Well, well, you're not about business development. You're nothing. Right. Well, it'll be good for normal because what'll happen is. It'll 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 get it'll end up being legal and it'll be fucked up and then normal will still be relevant because they can be like hey you know come work with us donate to us so we can fix this so we can yeah. fix because no, so normal I say they want it fucked up legal yeah. so they can still be relevant yeah not yeah they're a nonprofit people getting paid off of something illegal it's just like yeah like the American Cancer Society really wants a cure for cancer do you know how much those people are getting paid oh right you know right. how little they do for cancer exactly. same with the Susan B Komen Foundation. If, it's just like people don't realize that most nonprofits are bullshit. Yeah. And the fucking cancer thing pisses me off anyways because if you really want to cure cancer, look at the cause of cancer. Don't fuck with some stupid cure. No, man. No, man. It's it's cancer fairy. It's the cancer fairy <laughs> and he just goes into your genes <laughs> and he gives you cancer. It's nothing to do with carcinogens. It's the cancer fairy. Oh yeah. Nothing it's God. With, nothing to do with sugar. Nothing to do with sugar, nothing, nothing to do with, yeah, I and mean, it's nothing to do with your nutrition, not at all. <laughs> Healthy million, I mean, look, some people, yeah, they get, some people do get cancer, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of fucking treatment that you can do holistically. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, I mean, there's some people, man, that, there's preventative measures you could take yeah. as well. Just and there's, but there's some people, man, they're just going to get cancer. Yeah. And then what? Snag. What are their options? Chemo? Yeah, that's good. All right. Yeah, there's a lot of science behind that. Basically, just kill yourself and hope that you live through it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what chemo yeah. is. Yeah, like you're just killing yourself and hoping that you survive. Yeah, and so so you can do that, or in a few states, you can say, you know what? I can't. I I'm. This is a battle I can't win. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on my terms. And go get a high-powered rifle. And no, I mean no. Like there's 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 a way with insurance with death with dignity where you can actually like I'm, I can end life on my terms. And did you ever see How to Die in Oregon? No. So, well, Cody, I actually uh, with death with dignity, I was actually the the producer of their one and only podcast ah. when it was legalized in Vermont. Um. Anyways, so ladies and gentlemen. This is what you need to do. We're at we're at fifty two minutes. We got we got okay. some time left. Okay. Um, I can keep going though. You ready to keep going? Or yeah, you we can keep going. We can go for a little while, then shut it. We I mean we could shut it down now. Start working our way towards the close of the conversation. Yeah. So That's good with me. Anyways, I wanted to talk to you more about writing, but then we yeah. just got into our normal oh, conversation. No, yeah, we, can, we, can, we got into our normal hangout conversation yeah. and chill. I'm happy to answer any writing questions. Well, we I, I think, well, I just think, you know, I, I wanted, so I had this plan, but I decided that because Cody's my friend, I would take advantage of him and say, <laughs> hey, come to my public lot and help me shovel this compost and spread this compost, <laughs> plant these flowers. Oh, I got to go to this place too. Can we go to this place too? And so I pretty much did that. And so my plan was kind of, you know, I actually know I was working out how I wanted to do this. I'm actually I'm actually really happy with this podcast. No, yeah, man. And we didn't do too much out there. Just planted a couple of flowers and no. some shit that's nothing. It wasn't more than probably a half hour's worth of work. No, no, we didn't. But then I was like, I was running out of time. And then I had to. I had it. I was like, oh, I gotta take a shit. Oh, I gotta do this. Oh, I gotta shower. Oh, I gotta do this. So, wasn't oh, too bad at no, all, no, man. No. But yeah, any questions you have about writing, I'd be happy to answer. <laughs> I those those are the easiest questions for me to answer, just because, especially having gone through this, like I know 
I know how to handle myself yeah. the next time, what to do, what not to do, things to avoid, things to. Well, remember. I think I think well, I mean, I think we're really running out of time because I wanted to talk about you know how you'd gotten started, but guess what, Cody? There's gonna be plenty more podcasts that we can do. Sounds um, good, brother. But um, Sounds good, anyways, man. everybody, how can people get in touch with you, Cody? Uh, the best way to get in touch with me is through my Twitter. This is Cody S. And it's Cody spelled C-O-D-Y. This is Cody S. And it's the same uh, as my Instagram. And if you want to get a hold of me, I am not very popular. Nobody ever contacts me. <laughs> so if you genuinely are trying to reach out to me, I will probably get back with you. Um, even if you're being a shithead. So... I'm, fire away i'm absolutely the same way guys if you want to <laughs> contact me i'm not that popular either i have some cool friends but nobody knows who i am and i'm actually kind of enjoying that honestly <laughs> it's a weird thing um so anyways so and where can people find your first book odyssey tale is available online at amazon.com um you can just go there search odyssey tale cody schlegel or just search odyssey how do you spell schlegel should pop up s-c-h-l-e-g-e-l but don't even bother with my name just search the book odyssey tale um and uh i guess you do need to know my name Cody yeah. Schlegel, but you don't have to actually <laughs> type that in the search engine like Odyssey Tale should bring it up. But if not, you know, Cody Schlegel will bring it up. Yes. Junction, uh, but Junction will be available uh, soon. It should be available by the time this podcast airs uh, August 21st. Paperback or Kindle. And uh, there will be a few lucky souls out there that get a very special edition hardback copy. Only one of 50. So... Uh, I'm sure Drew is on that short list of people. I am on that short list. So, uh, I feel pretty cool about it, too. I'm sure that if uh, anybody out there is really, really into the book and really, really wants to have uh, a, a special edition copy to further their lives and, and make it make them whole, <laughs> uh, I can probably make that happen when it happens. But uh, I'm pretty excited. So thanks for having me on, Drew. And um, Yeah, man. I hope people are into this book as much as yourself. Yeah, I do, too, man. I think it's going to be great. Um, so everyone, please, please, please. Go to iTunes, look up the sample hour on this RSS feed. Give us a review. I, it's just really just me. Give me a review. <laughs> Give the show a review. Let us let let iTunes people what it, let them know what it thinks. I know when I first came about it, we were a up and comer because we got a bunch of reviews on the old feed, but um, a lot of those people stopped listening. Why? I don't know because they they don't write reviews anymore. They miss Wes. <laughs> they must miss Wes. I think they miss Wes. They were like, you know what, Drew's not as funny. <laughs> I doubt that. And uh, we don't want him on. He's pretty funny, man. Like he, I, I know, I know. I missed you guys. You guys had a great thing together. I think it's because your brothers, obviously, but you guys really did. Like there was this nice rapport, and yeah. I, I like there were there are things that he said in your podcast that like I still have flashbacks to, like. Like, I don't know why this always stands out, but I remember him talking about that aerosol canned cheese, like the cheese that you get at the movie yeah. theater. It's not real. Like him talking about how he really liked that. And I heard that podcast before I actually met him. So when I heard that, I was expecting to meet this great big fat fuck. Like, <laughs> I, like even the way he talks, he sounds fat. Like I and I did, man. I was expecting to meet this, fat voice. I was I was expecting to meet this huge, massive pile of a man. And when I get there, he's not fat at all. And I was like, holy shit, this is this is what you sound like. But yeah, like that always stands out because I remember him talking about that runny cheese and how it's not even real cheese, but he loves it anyways. Oh yeah, I'm like this guy's got to be a great big fucker. But you know, he's, he's not. not. He's not. At all. He makes some delicious food, but he's not really like a fan of good ingredients. <laughs> like he's just not. And like he would make delicious food, but it was just so bad for you. Um, just lots of cheese and all this <laughs> other stuff. Which some cheese, I mean, some people actually are not against cheese. So I don't I don't know. Like it's um it it oh oh yeah, cheese and pasta. That was like his favorite mixture of food. And he put like some some probably cheap hamburger meat yeah, or something that's filled with toxins and tenders. shit like that. Yeah, some nice Tyson chicken because <laughs> it's cheap. Uh yeah. So yeah, it's it's um yeah. So it, yeah. So if you would please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, follow the Sample Hour on Twitter. It's at the Sample Hour. Go to the website. You can actually find that and all the other links. Um, check out um. I was trying to think what else. I mean, there's not a lot else to promote right now. 
So, oh, Corner Comedy, September 5th. Um, well, it's it's basically Miss Pat's coming to Toronto. It's either going to be at the Underground, I think definitely one night there, or it's going to be at uh, the Corner. But I think all the shows might actually be sold out. So Right on. Yeah, I think so. We'll see. I don't know. But um, definitely look to get tickets because if there are any, they're selling out very fast. So get yourself some tickets and uh should be a good time i'm not sure if i'm gonna be up there um because i don't have any more vacation time at work and i almost quit my job for more vacation time and then i realized that would be an awful financial decision if you quit your job you got to do it gangster and set your desk on fire yeah well you know man i already decided that if i ever do get fired i'm just gonna sit there and be like well you're gonna have to physically remove me (laughs) because i'm not getting out of this chair Please do that. Yeah, because because the best part about that is is that if you get them to touch you, you get a fucking lawsuit. Beautiful, man. And I'll be like, well, you're gonna have to physically move me. Do like uh, what Lester Burnham did in uh, American Beauty. Yeah. Can you prove to human resources that uh, you didn't say make me blow? Let me or fuck. How do you put? I already fucked it up. Can you prove that you didn't make me blow you? <laughs> <laughs> or can you prove that you didn't offer to blow me to keep my job? <laughs> yeah, I think I think you should do. Um, remember the show Malcolm in the Middle? Yeah, I yeah. I've never seen the whole oh, series. Man. Though. I, I don't know if I have either, but there's a great episode. There's constantly shit happening off screen that you don't really see, but yeah. they talk about. And there's a great episode where the dad... Who just wants to take a few weeks off work so he can paint this thing on the wall in the garage yeah. and like just wants to take a little time off, whatever. And like the next day at school, Malcolm's there and like all his buddies come up and they're like, you know, wow, did you hear about your dad? Is it true? Is it true that he quit? And they're like, I heard he set his desk on fire. I heard that he took his shirt off. <laughs> and like I heard that and they're like all these kids are telling him what they heard about his dad quitting for this three week period while he was gonna do this shit. So if you quit your job, Drew, you have to like you should take in at least like a half a gallon or just maybe even a couple 20 ounces filled with gasoline and just set your sh- shit ablaze before you I leave. I think that would be great, but then I'm going to get put in a cage. Yeah, the arson charge would probably counter <laughs> the uh, the lawsuit that you'd have for yeah. making you go. But yeah, it would be a lawsuit good, against me. Good thought. Good I'd be thought. in jail. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening again. I'm going to have some more podcasts coming up here soon. Charles Hugh Smith on Sunday, and then hopefully, um, gonna have uh, I'm hopefully gonna have the uh, Rain Brothers here soon. Who are they? They uh, the Rain Brothers are pretty cool. What they do is they will convert your house to run on rainwater. Oh, righteous. Okay, I thought yeah. they were actually like Rain Brothers. Oh, like they were like, they were like, like rainmakers, or like uh, magicians, or something. No, like no, it's a cool business. Yeah, no, they it's are a, kind of magicians, though. They turn rain. They kind of do. I mean, there there's some things that um, now that I'm studying, you know, uh, just water collection, and everything. Like, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, a lot of times, like that rain barrel that I have out there is kind of a failed concept. <laughs> so we'll see, but I think I'm gonna need it. Like, I don't know, I'm gonna need to do some different things. But, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for listening, and uh, we will talk to you soon.
seen the world with a five-piece band Looking at the backside of me Singing my songs, one of his now and then But I don't think Hank done them this way no. I don't think Hank done them this way Take it on 